Welcome, everybody, and welcome to the Road to Retail podcast, where we share and interview our friends and colleagues within the CPG industry. And today with me, I've got our uh, guest co-host. You might recognize her, Krista Anderson. She was on our last uh, podcast with Maya French. And uh, welcome, Krista, and uh, welcome our audience today uh, on this very interesting topic that we're going to talk about. And I think it's near and dear to a lot of uh, small emerging uh, brands today. And the topic we're going to talk about is deductions and specifically with uh, distributors. And uh, I'll let Greg and Tanae introduce themselves here in a minute. But Krista, tell our audience just a little bit about you. Hello, everybody. And thank you, Tracy, for having me back on the Road to Retail podcast. I'm Krista Anderson, founder and CEO of S-Star, an international natural food brokerage company with offices based in the U.S. and France. And our mission is to help create a preventative healthcare system by making healthy foods accessible to people across the country. And I'm also the author of Claim Your Healing and Living My Best Life in the South of France. Awesome. Thanks again, Krista, for joining us. I'm Tracy Priest. I'm the co-founder of uh, Road to Retail. I've been in consumer packaged goods for 30 years in commercial operations, in marketing, trade marketing, sales, multiple functions. And uh, we really started the Road to Retail to really help small emerging brands navigate getting into retail as well as e-commerce. And on our podcast, as I mentioned, we, inter we interview uh, friends and colleagues, founders of brands, as well as service providers and are just our colleagues. And today I'm happy to have um, our, my friends, Greg Esslinger and Tanae on to talk about uh, deductions. So Greg and Tanae, why don't you tell our audience just a little bit about you and then we'll, <laughs> then we'll go ahead and get started. Sure, thanks Tracy, thanks for having us on. And um, uh, like Tracy said, my name is Greg Esslinger. I've got about 15 years in CPG. I uh, worked for about a decade at um, one of the largest natural distributors, UNFI, uh, in buying and category management. So um, then I left there about four and a half years ago and started uh, my comp company, Natural Food Ally, where I'm the founder. And we pretty much help uh, brands to navigate the natural food channel and avoid deductions and avoid pitfalls all through the way. So, today. Good to you. Yeah. Well, great. Thanks so much for uh, for having us on. Uh, my name is Tanae Katari. I'm co-founder uh, of a software company called Florette uh, that helps CPG brands uh, scale and manage distributor deductions. Uh, my own background, I started my career as a consultant, had a chance to work with a number of different CPG brands uh, while I was doing that, and then shifted over into the world of software for quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, got a sense of sort of the potential and possibilities there. And then in 2022, started building uh, the software company Florette that, you know, we think is really going to be helpful for brands as they try and manage not only distributor deductions, but all of the other different pieces of information that that they deal with um, over the course of, of running their business. So um, excited to be here talking about a topic that is near and dear to, to all of our hearts, whether we like it or not. Absolutely. And I think it's near and dear to a lot of small emerging brands who are struggling with, with deduction management. And that's why we wanted to have, you know, Tanae and Greg on today is to really just talk about this topic and educate our audience about, you know, about deductions and, 
um, and how to handle them and the types of deductions. So we're going to go ahead and and kind of hop right in here and uh, and start our discussion. So Krista, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off with our first uh, first question to the guys? I guess start us off with you know kind of people that are new into this industry. But what would you say the definition of a distributor deduction is? Sure. Yeah. Distributor deductions, I think the most helpful way to think about them, because there are so many different types, they refer to the general body of costs that brands incur when they're trying to do business with distributors, passing it on to retailers. So this can be everything from the costs that distributors themselves have that, that are contractually agreed to, for example, uh, you know, associated with, with freight and distribution of the actual products. But these can also be the pass-through deductions that uh, retailers actually charge uh, for doing the services that they provide, helping with merchandising, with various discounts that are passed on, et cetera. And so uh, for brands, the sum total of deductions that they deal with is, again, not only just what they get from distributors themselves, uh, but also everything coming through from a retailer. And these tend to be deducted off of the invoices and checks that brands receive. So Part of the, the confusion here a lot of the time is that brands may sell a considerable amount of product to a distributor, uh, but after deductions, what they see is, is a much smaller total uh, because of all the different transactions that happen uh, between a brand selling a product uh, and actually that product coming through. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Greg, you want to add something there? Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, um, you know, there you know, Tanae kind of went through a few lists of deduction, like the different kinds. And I just figured I'd jump in there and just say, um, you know, there's all sorts of different kinds of deductions that can hit you. And it's not, it's not just what the retailers do. It's, it's all the marketing spend that you're doing with your distributor. It's your spoils. It's your, um, you know, reclamation fees, uh, chargebacks for short ships, or if you're doing different promotions, they're going to charge you back for that. Um, all sorts of late delivery fines, um, you know, slotting fees, you know, the, it's a whole gamut and anything can hit your, hit your books and it can be unexpected or expected. It doesn't, you know, it, it often, the issue with deductions is there's so much that's unexpected. Um, right. not, yeah. And I, I was gonna I was gonna chime in there and and most of the time it is unexpected. And for our small emerging audience to uh, brand audience today, be aware of that. Uh, I've experienced it directly with the brands that I work with. And I'll just give you an example where uh, you know the orders were placed and it was ten thousand dollars worth of product, but they got a check for two thousand dollars. and they didn't understand, you know why. So that's really the purpose of our, our chat today really is to kind of educate people and the brands that watch our show um, on what what to be, you know, to, what to watch out for and at least be aware. And I know that in Kristen and I's conversations, because we both work with small small brands, uh, this is a hot topic these days. And yeah, to your, very your point, I was just gonna say to your point, Tracy, you know, not knowing what's being deducted is one of the biggest issues. And the, the distributors just don't make it easy for us when mm -hmm. those deductions come through on the check. You have no idea what the codes mean that are put on there. And everybody's kind of just left with their hands up, not understanding what they mean. So it's, yeah. re it's really imperative that, that brands search out and look for somebody that can help them, you know, walk through um, that process. 
Absolutely. And, and, and Greg, you kind of talked a little bit about the types of deductions, you know, spoils and things like that. Maybe tell our audience also or today about the difference between, uh, you, you know, and again, we're talking a lot about distributor deductions, but also, you know, retailers, you know, also big, big retailers have deductions as well, but we're talking really primarily today about distributors. But tell us maybe a little bit, uh, guys, about the difference between a UNFI and a KEHI deduction. What's the difference? Oh, I mean, they, they both have a lot of the same kind of deductions, right? They they almost follow each other's roadmap or their uh, their contracts are very similar when it comes to what they charge for. So generally speaking, you're going to get a lot of the same stuff. Okay. Uh, you're, you're definitely not going to, I mean, there are a few different, um, a few different deductions here and there based on who their customers are, right? Um, but for the most part, you're going to have the same short ships. You're going to have um, the same spoils that come through. You're going to have all that same, um, you know, if you shorten OI, both of them are going to try to claw back their money from you. Um, it, when you have MCBs, they're going to get passed on uh, to you. You're going to have fees for those MCBs. So um, regardless of Unify or KE, you're going to get hit. Um, you're going to get hit with a lot of the same deductions. Yeah. All right, I would it. say I would say though that there are there are a couple of of small things for for brands to keep in mind as nuances across the two distributors. So one of them I'd say is it's extremely important to sort of know as you're working with K here UNFI, uh, you know the relationship you have with your uh, you know your your uh, SRM or uh, what's what's the other one, Greg? Your just category manager. Yeah, your, cap, your, your, your category manager at each of the distributors uh, can tend to work a little bit uh, differently from one another. And then the other is that the dispute period between uh, the different distributors can vary a little bit. And this can be a source of confusion at times for brands that might be used to working with one set of practices as they work with one distributor. And then when they scale over uh, you know, to working with another distributor, sort of have to get accustomed to a bit of a different process when it comes to actually managing and disputing these deductions. But as Greg said, for the most part, I think the, the high level policies have kind of converged uh, to a similar place between KEHI and UNFI. So you're yeah. saying, so you're saying is the, the buckets of types of deductions are pretty much the same, maybe how they do it or the systems might be a little bit different. Yeah, the, the systems are quite a bit different because yeah. you, with, with UNFI, You've got the deductions coming through. They're all on the pay, you know, the, the check stub, and you don't have any backup for a few days until they actually send it to you. And it's in a PDF. It's very hard to digest and hard to to match up your your uh, deductions from your check stub with the actual deductions that uh, backup that they provided. And it's very manual. Um, whereas at least with Kheed, they have a portal where you can go in and you get your all your deductions. And if you don't agree with a deduction out of that portal, you can pretty much click dispute and, and your reason. Um, the problem with KHE is it's a bit of a black hole. Once you do submit that deduction, it's really hard to, to keep the follow-up going. And um, on the UNFI side, um, at least you have an email address that you're kind of going back and forth with. So it, there's pluses and minuses to both. Um, but at the same time, it you know, they don't, they don't make it super easy for you. Um, and, you know, by design, um, you know, they don't want to make that process really easy for you. So, yeah. Gotcha. Krista, 
Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, you kind of answered, I just had this thought because I was thinking, you know, with a lot of my brands that I work with, they're really struggling when they get that invoice and they're like, whoa, how, how am I going to afford to pay this? And so I was curious, how far can you negotiate? Like what's, what do you, can you give any intel behind the scenes? Like, you know, what, 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 what advice would you give? I mean, these brands are either small, they don't have a ton of investment capital sometimes. And it's like, they're just trying to get their dream out there. And this is the yeah. path, this distributor is that path to doing that. And, you know, how do they play that game and win? Well, I would say, I mean, the, one of the most important things is, is keeping a really strong relationship with your supplier manager or your category manager, you know, interact with them as much as you can without being a, a bother to them and, you know, keep that relationship on good, solid standing. And if you do that, they're going to be much more likely to, to help you out when it comes to the deduction time. Um, they, you know, there are different category managers, they're different supplier managers. Each one's different. They're not going to all uh, act the same way. They're not going to give the same leeway for everybody. So it is a bit of luck at the draw of who you receive as your supplier manager, category manager. But that being said, um, you know, a lot of these deductions have it doesn't really matter. They're pretty black and white. What's in your contracts in your contract, but there are some deductions that are, that there is a little bit more leeway if there's, you know, very situational. So um, if, if there's a, um, you know, if there's a, a short shipped um, and a PO, you know, some, you know, as long as you've got the BOL, you can prove that you've got the backup, you can typically get those repaid. If you've got a situation where, um, you know, service level fees and you've got an extenuating circumstance, you know, they do have the ability to, to, you know, give you some leeway and maybe give you a break on a deduction here or there. Um, and, you know, those supplier managers, um, at least from the Unify side, I know, do have the ability to, to, you know, give you a break, um, whether it's slotting fees or, um, you know, stuff, stuff like that. You just have to really try to maintain that relationship as best you can. Yeah, I, I would say that. Go ahead, Tanae. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, having having sat in on on a couple of, uh, you know, these these meetings that happen between, uh, you know, category managers and, and brands, I think the brands that do the best, especially among the smaller ones, are the ones that come to these meetings from a place of curiosity and just wanting to understand um, exactly what's in the contract. You know, they do a little bit of homework ahead of time and, and try to make sense of the deductions, but actually just go, uh, you know, to their contact to these companies and say, hey, why did this happen? You know, what can we do to actually avoid some of these operational issues? Uh, and what we've seen is that that works a lot better uh, than maybe impulsively being a little bit confrontational, which is understandable at times for brands. Maybe you 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 get a little bit of sticker shock seeing exactly how much has been deducted. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we found that trying to foster that type of a relationship, um, you know, in addition to, of course, knowing your contract, you got to know it's in there. You got to make the initial effort, uh, you know, to have that understanding. But beyond that, what we've seen as really successful for brands, again, is just to take uh, you know, put that best foot forward right away and say, hey, we're trying to learn uh, how we can run a more effective business with you, UNFI or Kehi. Uh, can you help us? Uh, you know, I think I think is a much better way to to go about tackling this for brands. So what I what I want to recap here, so I understand what you're saying, and and I get it. It's about having that relationship as much as you can. And like Greg said, sometimes you can have a, a really good one and sometimes people don't want to have that relationship. 
But the other thing is I want to point out to our audience, come from a place of, you know, asking good questions, but at the same time, you don't want to be needy where you're calling and emailing every day because that will also, you know, we've talked about this also, Bruce and I have on other, you know, on our other podcast episodes where, you know, you don't want to be that needy supplier or you're reaching out every day, either by phone or email. Would you really there's really a ba balance, Tracy, to to walk yeah. here. And if if you go too far on one end, um, you're going to turn into that needy supplier. And you got to remember these these category managers. They've got 200 brands that they're dealing with. You know, are they going to want to help the ones that are you know emailing them every two seconds? You know, it's sometimes yeah. the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but uh, not in this situation. I remember plenty of times as a supplier manager, pushing those right down to the bottom of my list to respond to just because, um, you know, I had other more important pressing things than a hundred dollar deduction. Mm -hmm. And it might not be easy for a brand to hear that, but the reality is it it's the truth on their end. It's what they're dealing with. And the new brands, they don't bring in nearly as much revenue for these supplier managers and category managers, which their sole purpose and their, what they're rated on is how much money they're bringing in for unifying K. It's not based off of, you know, um, having a good relationship with a small brand. Um, that's what the next program's for, for supplier, for unify, you know, so. Right. That's good. That's good advice. And I'm really glad that our small emerging brand audience here, hears that from a former you know, SRM at UNFI. So you talked about some best practice, uh, Tanae and Greg. Tell us a little bit of more, maybe a couple more best practices. Um, you talked about, you know, understanding the deductions, having the relationship with your category manager or your SRM, but maybe tell us, both of you, a little, a couple, maybe a couple more best practices for, you know, managing these deductions with the distributor. Yeah, I mean, uh, organization. I mean, key, keep all your BOLs. That's, you know, keep all your your backup in one central location so you can get to it quickly. Um, I mean, the BOLs is the big piece. Understand your contract. Um, if you are a new brand, hire somebody that knows what is in that contract and what it means. They're hard to read. Um, it's not just the contract. I know with UNFI, they've got the supplier policies that corresponds. It's not in the contract, but they have you guys still have to go by everything that's in that policy. It's 40 pages long. Um, you need somebody to walk you through that so you understand it. And everybody on your team is on the same page. It's not just the founders, whoever's uh, your co-packer, whoever's in doing your operations or your accounting or um, all your warehouse people. All, everybody's got to be on the same page and understand, especially your salespeople, right? So that, you know, you know that everybody knows that you can only do a 15% or a 20% hip pocket deal or your free fills are only 15 50%. They're not, you know, you're given half slotting versus a full free fill, um, all that stuff. Um, you got to be on the same page. Yeah, yeah great point. Great for, also really big. Oh, sorry, for one, one more, one question. For our audience that may not know what a BOL is, Ah, bill of lading. There you go. I knew that. I just want to make sure our audience does. Sorry, Tanae, go ahead. No, all good. Yeah, I mean, Greg, Greg hit on some really great uh, tactics there uh, that, you know, I, I think all emerging brands should keep in mind. I think there's a couple of themes there um, in common that I, that I think are really important to emphasize no matter what. 
um, and that kind of drive a lot of the, the behavior at times that leads to all of these distributor deductions. And one of them is just in this macro environment as a brand, the key is to stay default alive. The key is to, you know, grow and scale in a responsible fashion. And so uh, what we see often driving a spate of unexplained di distributor deductions can often be the allure of getting into 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 doors without maybe considering the the unit economics of all of that. And, and, and you know, mm -hmm. I, I think very reasonably folks get a little starstruck about, uh, you know, their beloved brand that they have spent a lot of time growing, but that can often be the thing that leads to the most addition and complexity in deductions. Where things really spiral out of control for brands is not when they're just working with maybe their, their first larger retailer for the first time with K here, UNFI. It's uh, the way that that actually multiplies out when you're having to understand all of these different themes and all of these different policies across a really large group of it. So I just, I just want to sort of emphasize that, um, you know, Bringing your team together, making sure that everybody understands how important this issue is and everybody understands how their actions can directly either improve or, you know, make much worse uh, the process of dealing with these deductions. Getting that alignment is, is so important because ultimately everyone has to steer in the same direction for this not to be a big problem. It's an expensive industry uh, and, you know, brands, brands are just trying to make it. So uh, we have a lot of empathy for brands. Uh, the last thing you want to think about when you're thinking about everything else associated with running your company is like, what is my relationship to this SRM? Uh, you know, and and all of these other kind of tertiary questions that are outside of your control. And so again, really, uh, what I think the unifying factor across everything uh, Greg has said, and 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 what we would like to drive home today is know what's in your contracts, know how it's going to affect your business, uh, and you know, make sure you have a good process in place for. Uh, for driving everything in the same direction. And not to pick on small emerging brands, but how many small emerging brands actually know what's in those contracts? Or are they just signing it because, like Krista said, they have stars in their eyes. Oh my gosh, I just got into Publix and yep. now I have to, you know, start doing business with Kehi or I just got into Sprouts or et cetera, et cetera. And they have stars in their eyes, not not really fully understanding the you know the cost of of doing business. So I think the key point here, you know, for our audience today is, you know, if you don't understand the contract that you're signing, get some help so that you at least understand. I don't think there's a whole lot of negotiation in those contracts. You can guys can maybe chime in on that a little bit, but at least understand what you're what you're signing. And I do think that a lot of brands don't. Krista, what's your, been your experience? Yeah, I mean, I would also suggest for brands to speak with other brands. What what have they experienced, you know, to kind of learn from the others on the path of, you know, to avoid failure or, you know, avoid these types of things. So, um, I mean, what would you guys say small brands are losing the most money from with deductions? Sure. Yeah, there, there are a couple of, of common buckets uh, where I would say sort of the most surprising and large and like jarring deductions happen to hit small brands, right? Uh, the, the first can be the uh, blanket free fills, right? So when you want to get into as many different retail locations as possible, you may say like, hey, yeah, it's fine. We'll give away free product. But if you're not sort of 
keeping an eye on maybe where and and to what cadence those different free fills are happening, they can really pile up and become expensive and, and not even really drive your business in that productive of a direction. So again, it's one of those things where it's appealing to grow to, you know, X number of thousand locations, uh, but it comes at a really significant cost and, and there might not actually be the bang for your buck there. Um, so another one is shorting distributors during OI periods. So, you know, during those weeks of the year where where distributors have have the right to order a bunch of product at a discount, that product needs to be made available for them. It's uh, it's the cost of doing business and uh, brands that aren't really able to do that get hit with pretty significant penalties. And and these systems are even configured at times to keep reordering uh, if the product isn't available during an OI period. So some of these, you know, ludicrous at times in, in size, right? You know, 50, 60, $70,000 charges uh, can can be the result of uh, of OI, you know, OI shorting. And it's not something that's maybe intuitive to brands or something that they think about. It's a little bit buried, uh, you know, in in the text. And then the final thing I would, I would highlight, uh, you know, just freight issues, not being on top of reviewing POs, bills of lading, all of the different scattered documents that uh, that get generated over the course of, of your product actually going out to market. And I really want to drive home the importance of this because there are so many things that uh, you know brands do that might drive a small amount of ROI, but take a lot of mind share to think about. But if you actually take a little bit of time to review uh, you know, your freight and your bill of ladings and, and all of these other pieces of your business, this is something that you could potentially spend a relatively small amount of time thinking about, but drive large amounts of cost savings in your business. If this is something that's a persistent problem and it shows up as you review your deductions, right? You see time and time again, uh, you know, shipments are not arriving where they need to, uh, you know, your 3PLs or, or your co-packers are not sort of fulfilling their responsibilities. That could be something that you figure out and problem solve in a couple of days that fundamentally changes the unit economics of your business. So I would really, really encourage brands uh, to spend a little bit of time. If they can do it themselves, they should. Um, if if they want to speak to somebody that's that's qualified to kind of think about those matters, it's absolutely worth uh, you know the the money that it costs. I would say because uh, you know so much of the shipping and packing and this process is out of your hands, but it's one of the most consequential parts of actually bringing your product to market. Right. So what you're saying today is that you're charged if you're early and you're charged if you're late. <laughs> Greg's laughing, but it's true, isn't it? <clears throat> Only if you're on time. Only yeah. if you're right on time. You have to be right on time. Yep. And if yep. you're a small brand, you know, how much control maybe do you have over, uh, you know, what goes on outside of your purview? It's it's really challenging. And so, again, we say with with a lot of empathy for these small brands, you have so many things on your plate, but this needs to be one of them. Uh, you, you need to stay on top of it. The global supply chain is not something you can control, but it's something yeah. that can cost you a whole lot of money uh, if if you're not sort of managing it. So you know. great insight. Great insight. Krista, any thoughts on that? Well, the, I just wanted to ask one thing about the first part of what you said on your for, first point is you know, the participation, what, what would you say is maybe the, the, how the minimum, I guess, of participation with marketing spend free fill, you know, because I think when a new brand comes in, they want to give it their best. They, they don't know where the, the line is of maybe they can do a little bit here, but maybe not all of 
the whole ask, right? So what would you say is, you know, a safe place to be in that? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking by the retailers, you know, the, as far as free fills are concerned, I mean, it depends on the retailer and your strategy, go-to-market strategy. You're not going to, um, I would say, you know, have a plan in place for what retailers you want to target to begin with and follow that plan. Don't don't stray too far from that. It's hard when you get a, I don't know, a, a maybe a stop and shop reach out, reaches out to you to launch your product. Like, is that, is that your go-to-market strategy when you're an all natural product and, you know, you really want to be targeting a Wegmans or a, a Whole Foods or, um, you know, it, it, you want to be um, really careful about the way that you go to market. And I would just say that um, if you are going to be spending on those free fills, you want to make sure you're just going the right direction at the right time um, that, and if we're talking distributors and, and the marketing that they require, which they do require um, you know, they want you to do OIs and they want you to do circulars or flyers or um, some of their marketing programs. Um, you do have to rub their back a little bit and, and do some of that. But as a new brand, if you're being smart and you're just launching in one region or one other, you know, it doesn't have to be that super expensive. I mean, you want to do their lowest level of ad contract, right? They're um, to get in there the cheapest and say that you're a partner and you're going to do a couple of OIs to to keep to keep them happy. But if you've got the right customer that's forcing you into these distributors, maybe it's uh, Albertsons for Kahi and Whole Foods for UNFI. Um, you know, you've got a little bit more leverage where you don't necessarily need to be spending that money. Um, you don't necessarily need to agree to doing quarterly OIs and and um, a couple circulars every year if if you've got Whole Foods um, that's going to be kind of pushing your growth through there. So, um, so you, you kind of have to hope, I mean, you, you want to get your leverage before you go into these distributors if, if possible so you can avoid. Um, yeah, that's a great, I wanted to bring that up. That's a great point. Get the retailer and then go to the distributor. Don't go to the distributor first without any, you know, with any retailer commitment because they're just going to tell you, right, Greg? Well, when yep. you get a retailer commitment, then we'll put you in. They're not going to, they're not going to buy your product and slot it and then hope that some retailer, you know, pulls it out of the DC. Unless, unless you pay your way to do that. If you can, if you can spend a whole ton of money, which none of us can anymore, um, if you, you know you've got huge backing, then you can get in without without any retailer support. But mm -hmm. uh, but you have to commit to a whole lot, and you don't want to be put in that situation. It's not a winning proposition for anybody. Yeah, so, not even the distributor. Right, Krista, you agree with that? Yeah, this is so good, you guys. This is so good. You're given all the like intel. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that is the uh, that's the purpose. Anything else? Just wait for the repercussions that I. <laughs> it's okay. You don't no, work through. No, this kidding. is. I think this has been really uh, helpful for our small emerging brand audience, and you yeah. guys have been, you know, really really insightful. Um, so, guys, tell uh, tell our audience how they can uh, how they can uh, reach you guys. What's the best way to get in touch? Um, well, for me, you can go on LinkedIn and find me on there, Greg Esslinger. Um, follow my posts. I do a, a bunch of deduction uh, posts at least once or twice a week. I put one on there. Um, and, or you can email me at greg at trifloret.com. Um, 
Sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, want to want to echo what what Greg said. The LinkedIn posts are are fantastic. Uh, you know, they really give a lot of insight into how distributor deductions actually work. Uh, in terms of reaching out to me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Tanae Katari, um, and then also reach out to Tanae at trifloret.com or go to www.trifloret.com to learn more about what we do to help brands with their distributor deductions. And Krista, how do we find you? I uh, LinkedIn also, and I'm an avid Instagrammer. So KristaAnderson.co or my company HealthyOnTheGo.co. Awesome. Thanks guys so much. And uh, I would encourage our uh, audience to uh, listen to uh, this podcast once we uh, post it on our LinkedIn page. Uh, we're also can be found on um, iTunes, Spotify, and then also our YouTube channel. So you can find us anywhere that uh, you listen to your podcast. And thanks again, guys, for joining us today. Thank you, Krista, for being our, our uh, guest host today. And um, I hope our audience really found this insightful. I, I think they will. And I know that I did as well. So thanks, everybody. And we will uh, we will be back at you soon.